In a world where busyness is worn like a badge of honor, it's almost impossible to imagine breaking free from the shackles of success. Working long hours, skipping meals, missing or being late to important life events, constantly playing catch up, exhausted to the bones. This has been normalized, especially in the medical and healthcare arena. Practice owners are fleeing to corporate practices or leaving medicine altogether in hopes of recapturing their time and energy. But you are here for a reason and you've been searching for answers. Welcome to Thriving Practice. I'm your host, Tracy Cherpesky. I'm an executive coaching consultant and time leadership expert. I'm mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. I am on a mission to help practice owners take back at least one day per week for the rest of their careers so they can focus on healing their patients and falling back in love with their practice. Together we learn, connect with like-minded practice owners and medical business experts, and expand your connection to an international community of peers. In each episode, we discuss the business of medicine and healthcare, how to avoid the pitfalls of success, and how to improve the bottom line, paving the way to exquisite fulfillment in your career and life. Join us each week to learn how you can grow your practice while focusing on what you love most. You'll want to take notes. So let's go. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Thriving Practice the business podcast for medical and healthcare practices where we help provider owners grow their business and take back their time. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Jeffrey Roche, Senior Vice President of National Healthcare Practice at Core Education Services, a public benefit corporation with a mission to support small and mid-sized institutions through innovative shared services. As a former hospital administrator, Jeffrey has a lot of experience with the need for systemic change in the healthcare industry. What I find fascinating is his ecosystem approach to creating sustainable, equitable change, not only in healthcare, but also in education, and how the two must combine forces to make real and lasting change. Jeffrey says we're at an inflection point as far as the workforce is concerned. And yes, COVID played a role, but in healthcare, Turnover and challenges in the workplace were already an ongoing reality. One of the root causes for this is culture and a lack of diversity and equity across the board. You don't want to miss when he talks about how larger organizations that are purchasing smaller practices so much is lost when the purchasing organization takes the approach that the smaller purchased organization or the smaller practice must immediately blend and fold right into the mix of the purchaser's culture. He said that the biggest obstacle is the lack of commitment to the human side of medical care. I couldn't agree more. The way the system is set up is not very helpful to people who want to lead with heart, right? You'll hear that we start to get really excited about the prospect of bringing diverse groups of people together from all areas of business and varied industries to create and implement appropriate, lasting change. Jeffrey alluded to the concept of doing the same thing over and over again as insanity, right? If we're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I may have inferred that of my own, but with the behemoth that is the healthcare system, particularly in the U.S., I think many of us can agree that doing things differently may just, you know, help us to do things differently. Jeffrey's parting wisdom is that we need more entrepreneurs to enter the healthcare space to help provide creative solutions. 
So here's your shout out, calling all entrepreneurs with a heart for solutions and healthcare. I believe we're about to start having some conversations. If you'd like to get in touch with Jeffrey, use the links in the show notes or reach out to me and my team at support at tracycherpesky.com and we can facilitate a conversation. As always, this conversation was deep, meaningful, and offering a lot of hope and promise for a better future in healthcare. So grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Jeffrey and his infinite wisdom. Jeffrey, it is so good to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming. Tracy, thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I'm, I'm thrilled to dive in and talk about your busy life and the work that you do. And before we do that, I would love to share with our listeners where you're located. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm located in central Pennsylvania. I actually live in Anzal, Pennsylvania. Okay. Very cool. So I don't know Pennsylvania very well, but when I lived in the D.C. area, we did some like weekend trips and things like that. So central, what's closest to you? Hershey. Okay. Yep. My Hershey, Hershey Park, Hershey yep. Chocolate. Yeah. Yep. Bethlehem. <laughs> We stayed in Bethlehem once. Yeah, my kids. Actually, training. Bethlehem is where uh, is where my wife and I went to college. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we went cool. to a small college there called Moravian University, uh, which may, you may have passed. Probably uh, saw this. It's right on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sounds familiar. Yeah. It's so pretty there. So it must yeah. be a great place, especially to live. during Christmas time. Oh, I bet because yeah. the town is just so yeah. cute. Yeah. yeah. Oh, lovely. Oh, well, lucky you. It sounds wonderful. And we were just talking about managing remote teams and all that. So we'll, we'll come to that if that um, brings itself back up. But tell us about what you do and we'll take it from there. Sure. Yeah. So um, I serve at an organization called Core Education, uh, which is a public benefit corporation. And I serve as the senior vice president of our national healthcare practice, as well as lead all of our workforce partnerships. And so Core is essentially a shared services operating partner that works with higher education institutions, small to mid-sized colleges and universities uh, around the country, um, really to do a number of things. One is really to help um, in areas like marketing and enrollment, but as an operating partner, meaning the college or university never actually has a change of control. The other area we spend a lot of time on is really working with our colleges and universities to look at in their regions what are the challenges from a labor market perspective? Which, it, you know, as you know today, uh, doesn't matter what community you go to, there's a labor shortage. Uh, there's a lot of challenges around workforce, uh, re- regardless of whether it's an urban, rural, suburban community. And so a lot of our work is really spending that time helping our colleges and universities really forge those partnerships uh, with healthcare, uh, with IT employers, and with employers of all kinds so that we can really try to create this you know, stackable credential pro- process and pathway, but also really try to think anew about what does the workforce of the future look like. And so a lot of work is spent uh, in that time. Now, obviously, on the healthcare space, not only is my work spent on you know, really forging those partnerships uh, in support of our local, what we call our core academic affiliates, but I also spend a lot of time at the national level engaging in those conversations around culture, uh, around future of work. Uh, around really transforming the workforce in healthcare. I would imagine that that's very challenging right now. I think the pandemic really changed how everyone viewed work. But since I work with the healthcare industry or within the healthcare industry, I, I hear a lot from my clients how challenging it is to find people who, and it's not like they don't want to work, but people who are willing to come back to something that feels like a more traditional setting. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, from my perspective, you know, this moment 
particularly when we talk about our healthcare workforce, that's really critical is that, you know, it's, it's really an inflection. So many people are talking about the fact that, you know, the workforce was impacted by COVID, which is true. But the reality of it is, is that the workforce issues that our healthcare system is facing are actually issues we've faced for a very long time. And, you know, and as you know, Tracy, a lot of it comes down to culture. Uh, a lot of it comes down to listening. And I really talk about listening. You know, we've really had a healthcare system from a workforce perspective that is very authoritative in many ways. It's, it's always been very much based off of title, um, position that you hold. And one of the interesting things that has always intrigued me as the son of a nurse is I've often asked nurses, even as a professor, are you a leader? And so many times they will look at me and say, I'm not a leader. And I will say back to them, you're not. <laughs> you're not delivering care. You're not helping in the transitions of care. You're not delivering a care delivery plan. You're not helping family members understand what's happening. It's all aspects of leadership. And what I always find uh, in those conversations is they say, yeah, but I'm not, I don't have the title. And so I think in many ways in healthcare, we've created this dichotomy that particularly the larger an organization has become, it's even worse that, you know, you don't necessarily have a place, whether you have the title uh, or you have the authority or you have the influence. And so I think that, you know, we're at this time where people are saying, you know, my voice is important too, and I want to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's really interesting. As you were saying that, you know, nurses saying, well, I'm not a leader. I'm thinking it's almost always my preference when I go to a doctor's office to see the nurse practitioner or to spend time with the nurse, have a nurse visit, a nurse call. It's not that I don't like doctors. I work with doctors. But they usually have more time and they're usually more comprehensive in their delivery. And that, to me, is a huge leadership trait. Absolutely. Interesting. But because yeah. of the hierarchy, it doesn't seem that way to them. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I think, you know, I think it's, it's, it's part hierarchy to, to a level. But it's also, even when you go to how... Our clinicians are trained, whether nurses, doctors, nurse practitioners, even other members of our care team, respiratory therapy, we don't really talk enough about leadership no, and how you can lead, uh, how you can be a leader. And I always say as a, as a previous hospital administrator that there are very few positions in healthcare that you're not a leader because it's just the sheer fact of the people business. You're doing something that deals with leadership. Yeah. And so, you know, we've got to, we've got to earlier on help people understand that it is not about the title. Uh, it is about the work that you do and, and care that you provide and the influence that you have, uh, in the life of somebody. I mean, that's really leadership. And so I think we've got to be more intentional about all of those steps to really help an individual. Because when you think about it, when you look today, so many younger professionals will come into healthcare and leave within the first couple of years. Uh, nurses today, I mean, it's, it's, it's really a sad thing, but when you look at it, first 18 months, they're gone. Uh, now, a lot of that's culture, but a lot of it's also, they just don't find that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, when I think of uh, our society, when I think of our healthcare system, that creating that sense of belonging is more critical than ever. That, you know, someone wants to feel that they belong there. They want to feel that their voice matters. They want to know that their voice matters. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> when, I, when I talk with clients, 
a lot of times they'll say things like, well, why, why the focus on leadership? And I'm thinking, you know, my clients are usually the physician owner or some kind of provider owner. And it, it blows my mind. Obviously, this is not being taught in medical school or in the training for the medical community. And yet, so are they expected to develop an amazing bedside manner and ability to manage and lead large swaths of people just naturally? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's very, very odd to me. And it's, it's something that I think is very truly lacking. So to hear, to hear you say it from the perspective of education, I'm curious, how do we change it? Yeah. You know, I, so we're starting to see a lot of this, particularly in the field of nursing, where they're, you know, they're, for example, healthcare systems are developing nurse residency programs that obviously is, is done in a manner, and they've done this for years, but now we're seeing this larger emphasis on leadership within those programs. Um, even making sure that preceptors are actually trained on what preceptorship means and what leadership means and what coaching means. And I think to your point, we've got to, we have to bring it earlier on to nursing school. We have to bring it early on to medical school. We have to do it in all facets of education. So because we know individuals enter as pre-med students and they enter sometimes as biology students and they enter sometimes as social work students. We've got to bring it into all facets of that. But mm -hmm. I think um, from an organizational perspective, whether you're small, medium, or you know, whatever your size is, this all impacts everybody. And to your point, what's interesting though about it is that in my career, what I've noticed, even in, you know, having been at a community hospital setting where we actually acquired many independent private practices, one of the things that was always interesting to me was they all had pretty powerful cultures. Mm. Um, and one of the things we were always clear to do was not just assume that we bring our culture to them. Yes, you have to integrate, but that doesn't mean integrate does not mean replace. And I think in healthcare, as we become larger, the larger healthcare system has basically said, you know what, you're going to be part of our culture. We're not necessarily going to integrate. I faced this even in my performer organization when we became part of a larger healthcare system. It was not in any way, even though it was called a merger, it was basically where you're going to follow how we do it. That's not how people work to come to understand. You know, people generally, if they're used to the culture that they've been a part of for 40 years, which we know in many private practices, in many smaller community healthcare settings, they've been part of that organization for a very long time. And so we've seen this change here with so many mergers, acquisitions, and partnerships that it's just been this kind of idea that this is your new culture. Um, and I, I have always said that this, that just does not work. You've got to find a way to break bread uh, and really build the relationships that are critical to help people feel comfortable with that change and learn from one another because there's got to be a benefit on both ends. Absolutely. And this word adaptability just keeps coming to mind as you're saying this, like it doesn't leave room on both sides for adaptability. And who's to say that an organization that's being purchased by a larger organization doesn't have strength and doesn't have something to bring to the table. I think, I think this happens a lot in all business. I do see this kind of stuff happening a lot in healthcare. It's like the business side and the culture side isn't always taken into account. There's so much more focus on, I think it's sort of like the patient care and meeting whatever financial markers are important to the administrative teams. So I think it's a huge challenge. 
And I'm delighted to hear that there's a focus on this. And obviously, it sounds like your focus is at an educational level. But what happens like before going into the field? What happens in these mergers like Arch? Do DL do something to fix it? Like, <laughs> how yeah. do you support your clients when they're, if they're going to be merging? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, particularly when we think of what we can do to help, if there's one thing, and, you know, you just alluded to it in many ways that there's the patient care side and then there's sort of the business side uh, of healthcare. But what should be bringing that all together is the human side of healthcare. And so, you know, the idea of a human centered practice, uh, the idea of human centered care, that should be, you know, the gold foundation in New York City calls it redefining uh, humanity healthcare, mm-hmm. making people realize that, you know, at the core, we're all in healthcare to support one another. So even if we're making a business decision, uh, we should still be coming back to the central question of how does that serve our patients? Paul LeBlanc, the president of Southern New Hampshire University, wrote a book that I recently finished called Broken. And, you know, in the book, uh, President LeBlanc talks about how our society in many ways is also broken, um, but our healthcare system is broken. Our higher education system is broken. And he goes on to explain all these things that are broken. And what, what's broken about them is that we've sort of lost the humanity element of, of them. We've created this commercialization element of it, but we've forgotten what brought all of them together in the first place, which was to serve humans mm-hmm. and to benefit humans. And so uh, when I look at it, the most important thing that we could do today when we look at this workforce crisis and uh, really the challenge around leadership, because we know leadership is also at a crisis point in healthcare, we've got to get back to coaching. We've got to get back to mentorship. We have to get back to empowerment. And we also have to really celebrate the generational differences that are in our workforce uh, because there's many and we don't need to be in a system where we, we critique that, you know, a millennial is this and a Gen Z is this and a Gen Y is this. That has no business uh, because at the end of the day, it is what it is. What we have to focus on is what can each member of the team bring to the table, leverage their strengths, find the best opportunities they can have impact, package that, and make sure we're working all together in mission, vision, value alignment. That's the beauty of, of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say that that's also how you would define culture or how you would give yeah. a definition? Yeah. To a, to a point, yeah. I mean, with, with also the caveat that you have to have that sense of belonging um, and you definitely have to have an immense uh, intentional focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, because we know that uh, we still live in a society where many people feel they can't get to the table. And so we've got to be able to get them to the table, uh, help them understand that they are not only at the table, but that they belong at the table and their voice will be heard. And that's really, really critical, you know, more than ever. Yeah, I think it's something that we all need to raise our awareness around, right? That so much of every system in this country has really been built through the white male lens, good, better, and different, but it also leaves people out. And we when we start to pay attention to that, and hopefully we've already started paying attention, but as we start to understand it more and look at, especially, I mean, just focusing just on healthcare, the negative outcomes for marginalized communities, particularly women of color, especially Black women uh, in healthcare, like this is a huge 
huge disservice to a large percentage of our population. And yet we still miss the mark. So I think, you know, you use the word intention or being intentional. And I think that has to be at the heart of everything that we do, right? This intersection of all, all of our differences that make us so incredible that, that we seem to used to celebrate in this country and now have a hard time reconciling. So I think that's really, I think it's foundational to the change that needs to happen, like bringing it back to human, but recognizing that human isn't just us looking in the mirror and seeing people who look like us, right? Like we need to really be aware of that and listen. You, you mentioned active listening earlier too, and I, that, I wrote it down. <laughs> it's like, we need more of that. We need to learn to practice to do that, you know? And I think, I think there's a challenge for people in the medical field if they're not being recognized as leaders or even if it's not being discussed in education and it's not being taught that, yes, you are a leader. I mean, when I think of, especially like in a hospital setting, when I think of nurses, I swear they're the ones who run the show. That may not be true in smaller practices. It might be very different. And everybody still defers to the doctor, even though the doctor blows through and doesn't have the time. Again, I work with Dr. Zero Shade, but nurses are running the program for sure. And yet they're probably not getting enough support as leaders and as like the anchors of, of the system. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Tracy. I call it leading with heart. Mm. Because, you know, when, when, you really, when you really feel it back, if, when you think of... When we all think of the best leaders we've ever worked for or with, they're people who had empathy. Uh, yep. They're people who wanted to grow the next crop of leaders. Yeah, They didn't sit there with their title because they had the title. They know they earned it, but they wanted to make sure that the next group could also earn it. <laughs> um, they, they cared deeply about others. And so, you know, that, that's why I always call it leading with heart because... Um, and I think if we in our in all workplaces had more leaders who led with heart, who really would actively listen, then respond. That's too many leaders will just and physicians and even clinicians, and we see this in patient uh, surveys a lot right now. They tell them what they think the patient needs, but they didn't even listen to the patient fully before they tell them. Uh, we've all had those experiences. Mm -hmm. I know I have. Um, and I'm not clinical, but I'm like, first of all, I'm the patient. So if you don't want to hear me, I'll go some, you know, see somebody else. But anytime I face more major medical issues, my mom is with me because she's a nurse. So, you know, but my mom will tell me, watch, they're not going to listen to you fully. Uh, and then my mom just comes in and she takes over and then, you know, then they have to listen. But we like your the reality, <laughs> you know, the reality of it is, is this is very, very common. And so yeah. we've got to change that because it's, from a, from a patient care end, but also just from an interpersonal end uh, within healthcare, it's, it's really, really critical. I think so too. And my sister was telling me recently that she went to see her, like her GP. And here's this allopathic doctor who's asking her, I had to read it. She texted me, I had to read it like three times to make sure that I read it right. You know yourself best. What do you think you need? And let's go from there. And it's like, you're, that wasn't like a naturopath. Like, wow. 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 And she, shared or heard is some medicine she was taking was making her feel weird and it was giving her all these yeah. issues and they were like it's probably the dose of the medicine then and nobody would have thought that because for you know for your age and your weight and your height and all that stuff this would be the right dosage but yeah. you know it can't hurt to give it a try yeah check in with me in two weeks and i was wow. like wow that's what a shift yeah what a, i mean 
this is, it's so, it's such a tiny, tiny thing. It doesn't take much for that, but that, that was really impressive to me. Oh yeah. And I think doctors need that training. Like I think about our pediatrician, I'm so impressed with this practice that we go to. It's a pretty large practice. It's super busy. It is, as a trained coach, I can see it from everywhere. It is extremely clear that they have all been trained in motivational interviewing techniques. And so it's a really lovely place to be, even though it's constantly buzzing, you know, but they're, my kids are teenagers. So they're asking them questions in ways that will actually get some honesty yeah. responses, especially when the mom's not in the room. So, you know, so I think that, I think we're, we're seeing that progress, but I think by and large, it's very lacking. Yeah. 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 And some of it I think is, you know, it's just, it's systemic, right? The system like the, I'm going to go read that book now, you know, it's broken. Like it's maybe fixed in some ways to benefit certain parties, but it's basically broken in terms of a human centered approach. And we need that. We, we don't have great outcomes in this country in our health care, right? And I know that that's very frustrating to medical personnel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really interesting. Gosh, so we just got a little philosophical there. So I'm trying to bring this. Well, we need to have more conversations like this too, where we talk about what we would like, you know, the people who have the opportunity to make a difference. I would love to hear a little bit about your podcast. Add up health up. up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was afraid. I was worried I was going to flip it. So then I stopped myself. So add up health up. Tell us about your podcast. I think this is really cool. Yeah. So so the add up network was was created um, by uh, two friends of mine, Joe Celestio and and Elvin, Um, and uh, they um, had created it really you know in the higher education space because higher education actually didn't have a dedicated podcast where college and university presidents would come together to, you know, share their challenges and insights as to what the future of higher ed should look like, you know, you name it. And so I had been a regular guest co-host on on that podcast for a period of time. And, and then, you know, I started to really think about the fact that, you know, the only way we're ever going to get to a point in time where we can solve some of these challenges around workforce, around leadership development, around education is really is engaging in a manner that brings higher education and healthcare together along with workforce development because it's an ecosystem. It's not, you know, it can't be uh, one sector thinking they're going to solve it because what, what a hospital system needs is what higher education has to provide. But at the same time, you've got to get them working more closely together. And so my vision was really to, um, you know, bring together uh, the ecosystem and really involve leaders that happen to be clinicians, but also our educators, uh, leaders that that could speak to some of these issues, but do it in a manner that would get at some of the systemic issues, but then also do it in a manner that would get at some of the solutions. And so we've now uh, recorded 12 or 13 episodes and we have several more that are in the way. And, you know, it's been really very insightful uh, to not only hear from individuals that have, you know, our chief learning officers, but also uh, nursing leaders, but also, you know, university presidents and other individuals in the higher education ecosystem to, you know, various different ecosystems within healthcare that have shared, you know, not just their thoughts, but their insights on, on what we have to do. And overwhelmingly, you know, I think everyone understands what the problems are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think hopefully uh, through the conversations, uh, the idea uh, will be that we can get to how do we, how do we solve some of them? Um, and how do we do it in an ecosystem manner? Because I'm a firm believer that with some of these uh, situations, 
doing it in an ecosystem is the only way to truly address the systemic aspects of them. Yeah. I think that's probably part of what's been lacking in the solutions arena. I mean, it's kind of like they'll come up with tactics but not have a strategy. And the strategy to me is the ecosystem. And then the tactics are how you go after it. So we really can't have one without the other. It's it's just not a good idea. It's like getting in your car without knowing how to get to your destination or even knowing where you're headed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've always found, even in my healthcare uh, time as an administrator was, you know, you, you, you couldn't solve social determinants of health issues without an ecosystem. Right. Um, and it's, it's interesting today when you still see all these conversations, it's like, you've got to bring them all together. And so, you know, bringing partners together is the way to do it. Partnership is, is truly how you solve these issues. Ja, is there a formal organization or group that's bringing these people together? really bringing them together to bring the data, to bring the ideas, to bring their brains and mastermind and workshop on this? Not, you know, not at a scalable level. I mean, I think that, you know, without question, you know, we do have, you know, as you know, some healthcare systems that also have, you know, colleges, universities as part of their enterprise. And so uh, within their pockets, certainly, you know, I think that there's, there, there, there needs to be um, without question. I think trade associations certainly do their important part you know, that's still siloed. Uh, as we know, doctors have their group, nurses have their groups. It's not a, you know, hospitals have their groups. The reality of it is, is that, you know, we look at pre-hospital to acute to post-acute and so on. Everyone has to be in this together. And so, yeah, I wouldn't say there is it at an organized fashion. My entrepreneur brain going nuts right now. Seems like an <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> it is definitely an opportunity. And, and I think, to your point, I think it, this is where an ecosystem type of thing comes in is, is how, you know, I'm a firm believer that in some ways it would have to be a group that can be incredibly creative, incredibly, you know, like a think tank, uh, very action oriented, uh, willing to take risks um, because, you know, at this time in healthcare uh, and, and in education, you know, yes, you got to follow the law. Yes, you got to be compliant. Yes, you got to make sure it follows quality risk, et cetera. But you also have to be willing to try something new. Because we we know it doesn't work when you do it the same old way. Yeah, I think that's the scary part. And when we look at like a system that's as large as the United States, right? It's a huge country, pretty good sized population, big system. That's a little terrifying. But I just believe that there's enough desire for change that we just need to get the right groups of people together to start talking about this. And I love the ecosystem approach. Like even just calling it that makes it really clear what's necessary for an ecosystem. You need all parts. It's not just, you know, one majority group or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah, well, my wheels are turning. <laughs> for our listeners, <laughs> if y'all want to have a conversation with the roundtable about this, I'll yeah. host it. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that there's there's definitely, I think, you know, I, I read a statistic that's something like 2 to 3% of the population in agreement that there's a need for a change, right? To get into the mindset of that is all that it takes to start creating those kinds of groundswells. And I bet if we get enough people together, we would find that we have that percentage that wishes that would really like to see something different and may even have some good solutions. And they may not actually be, they might be tech people. They might be, you know, creatives in some other area. They might not even be healthcare people, which makes it even more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. To be continued. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Well, I feel like we could talk forever and ever. And I do realize that we're coming to the end of our time together. So I want to ask how our listeners can find you and what what would they want to talk to you about, right? Why would they specifically come to you? Yeah. Well, they, you know, listeners can definitely find me on LinkedIn, super active uh, on there, happy to connect, engage at any time. I mean, I think, I think if, if individuals are interested in really uh, intentionally thinking about how we transform our healthcare system uh, from a workforce perspective, from a leadership perspective, um, with, with really a DEI lens, I was really creating that sense of belonging and doing it in a manner that is equitable. I'm all ears and thrilled to, to work in an ecosystem uh, manner with anybody to help make it happen. So uh, any of those topics, certainly anything related to higher education, practically anything in healthcare, because I also advise numerous startups as well, happy to talk. So well, I'll share all the links that you've provided us in the show notes. So it'll be really easy for people to get in touch with you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So before we sign off, and I think I just feel like we're going to talk again, hopefully sooner rather than later. What kind of parting advice would you like to share with our listeners? Yeah. You know, I, my advice, uh, particularly as it relates to, you know, topics we've talked about today and, and even just in general, uh, would be that, you know, now is also the time where we, we really need entrepreneurs in the more traditional aspects of healthcare. I will remember. A dear friend of mine uh, told me that I had entrepreneurial skills and I looked at him and said, I'm a traditionalist. And he looked at me and said, well, I'll prove you wrong. And, you know, years later now I'm, you know, advising numerous startups and part of a a co-creator organization that that helps startups. And what I've learned in that process was that ultimately some of the systemic challenges of our society are really going to take entrepreneurs to really move the needle. Um, and I think we're seeing that outside of traditional healthcare in a very significant way in digital health, um, in, you know, numerous other areas, but we've got to get more entrepreneurs into the traditional to make the changes that are necessary. Uh, it's not easy work, as you know, uh, but, but there's folks like ourselves that are going to help people do it. And that would be my advice is, is let's, let's make it happen. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's so doable. It's just so much more pleasant and smoother and sometimes faster when we work together, when we collaborate or we work with a mentor, a coach or an advisor or somebody who they don't even have to necessarily know our industry. They just need to understand what it is that we're trying to achieve so we can get there. Um, I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, for real, I would really like to talk again, perhaps have you come back on the show after some time has passed and see what transpires because I think this is, I feel like this has been a transformational conversation. So I'm certain that our listeners will as well. And I think it just remains to be seen what, what period of time, but I'd love to have you back on the show and, and see, what's, see what's happening in the next few Sounds months Sounds great. Or so. No, thank yeah. you for having me and appreciate it very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, until yeah. next time, thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Thriving Practice. I appreciate you coming here week after week, dear listener, to listen and learn how to elevate your leadership grow your practice, and to think and act like the high-impact CEO provider that you're meant to be. I have one request of you. If you've benefited from this show, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review with your thoughts on the show. Your feedback and review help us get in front of other amazing practice owners just like you. Thank you again for listening. And until next time.